Hey everybody, I am here with Dave and Pat of Sega Saturn Shiro. How you guys doing? What's up? Good. Doing good. Doing good. Hanging in there. Hanging there just debating people about different pressings and the Pink Floyd albums <laughs> and how good they are. Awesome. So um, I wanted to, to have you on both because I'm pushing extra hard to try to celebrate all the awesome people in retro gaming, but also for selfish reasons, because I stumbled across your channel a bunch of times over the years, and I keep saying, like, all right, I'm going to make it a point to, like, listen to more of their podcasts and to reach out, and I just, I, I never have time, and I just, it hit me this morning, like, wait a minute, I have a podcast. We could all get to know each other together on a podcast, so this I wanted to, to reach out and, and talk to you guys and also have, you know, talk to everybody with you here um but mm -hmm. for for anybody who might not be familiar with you or what's much more likely is that they've seen something that you've done and just didn't realize it was you two uh would you mm -hmm. just kind of give a rundown of who you are what you do and, uh, and the awesomeness that you've been providing to the community for a while all right sure uh, why don't you uh, kick uh, it off pat all right so we are sega saturn shiro or i guess what was shiro we'll like five different names depending on what department you're thinking of but uh we are a podcast news website uh i guess a conglomerate is the best way i think that's a good way to describe it dave yeah like, like a media group things media group yeah we're a media at this group. point <laughs> yeah at this point we started off as a podcast uh with me and dave and we sort of expanded and expanded to more youtube content more uh articles more sort of uh, more like a PR thing almost, I'd like to think, for the community almost, for especially for a lot of the translators and uh, homebrew projects in the community for everything Sega Saturn. So everything's pretty much Sega-oriented, but we try not to put ourselves in a box that, so we're pretty much everything Sega. So if we see a Dreamcast, stuff like, oh, cool, look at Dreamcasting, let's talk about it, or write that up, or do a playthrough of it. So we kind of kind of yeah. branching out. Would you say that's kind of accurate, Dave? Absolutely. We're essentially prophetizers of Sagata-san. <laughs> we, we want people to play their Sega Saturn. Uh, we want people to... The great thing about Sega Saturn for a lot of folks is that it's almost like a brand new console. It's retro, it's old, but a lot of people who just ignored it back in the day or didn't even know that it was there are like able to essentially unbox this brand new retro console and play all these amazing games. And we, you know, I grew up with Sega Saturn uh, Pat got into it uh, over a decade ago. And so it's like, we just want people to experience it. So we have more people to share with the community. Uh, cause we think it's great. Yeah. I, I always say, I always say that no matter how much we look into research Sega Saturn, there's always something that we don't know existed. Like it's yeah. every time, every time. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. It's it's bizarre for sure, and I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of ways that you know there are those folks who came from it back in '96, '97. You know, maybe they got it dirt cheap in the early 2000s. You know, and were able to pick up games for like five or ten bucks. You know, then there's people nowadays who are just discovering it, and it's like they're like kids on Christmas, but then they get sticker shocked because <laughs> of how expensive the games are. Um, but again, we try to encourage people. There's so many options to play Saturn games. You're not stuck just you know having to buy long boxes of everything, you know, uh, you know, there's, there's options for everybody to enjoy this, the console. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I always suggest when people are getting into this stuff the, to find the easiest possible way to play it and go from there. Cause so many mm -hmm. people find that like, you know, it was a glimpse into something they never had or a, you know, a shot of nostalgia if they did have it. And then that's it. And that, that's all they really needed. And that's, that's totally fine. There's nothing wrong with that, but there's also tons of people that get into this and they go, 
this is really cool. Now I remember why I liked this so much, but this isn't the same. And those are the people that I always go, okay, well, now here's your other options that are a little bit more authentic, including go find yourself a Saturn and stuff like that. So, it's, uh, you know, I always like the gateway drug, right? Just any way you can Absolutely. to get people involved uh, and then go from there afterwards. Mm-hmm. So, sure. Dave, you said you grew up important. with the Saturn, right? More or less. Uh, why I grew up a Nintendo fan, a huge SNES fan. Uh, that was my console growing up. Uh, was hugely impressed with games like Star Fox. Played that game to death. Uh, so, you know, I was really impressed with the, the 3D gra- early 3D graphics. And, you know, that just blew my mind. Virtual Fighter in the arcades, Daytona USA in the arcades. And then when PlayStation came around the time, you know, Saturn and PlayStation came out, I didn't, I hadn't heard about Saturn, but I sought it out because of Daytona USA. I was like, I need to play Daytona on a home console. How do I do that? Went into a electronics boutique at the time. It was not EB or anything. It was not, it was electronics boutique in the mall. And the, the, the sale clerk must've been paid by Sony, you know, under the table because he was just like, no, you don't want that console here. You want this console with the Ridge racer and everything. My dad was with me and I was young. So one thing led to another and I got convinced to sell off my SNES with all of my games for a PlayStation. Uh, and that was, it was rad. I mean, PlayStation is an awesome console, so no hate. Uh, I still have one. It, it. Look, it looks no. amazing. <laughs> it looks amazing on a CRT. Uh, no, but, but, um, but I still had, had this feeling like, okay, but I still want to play Daytona. Like um, Christmas 96 came around and everybody was talking about Mario 64. And I stood in a queue of like 25 people at Electronics Boutique waiting to play the kiosk. And everybody got like 10 minutes. So this would have taken a couple hours just waiting there. And I saw a demo of Nights into Dreams playing. And it was just the freakiest thing. You see it in motion. Sorry, that's my phone. You see it in motion and it's just amazing. It's an amazing game. It was like nothing I'd ever seen before, kind of a fever dream. And that kind of led me down this path of like seeking out the Saturn. And But uh, yeah, so 96, I, I picked up a Saturn for super cheap because nobody wanted it anymore. The rest <laughs> is history. Oh, man. <laughs> Long how, story short. How about you, Pat? So what, what made you get into it then? And like what, what brought you down this journey? So Sega has always been my my sort of my home, I guess my first consoles, and this is going to sound like unbelievable, but my first consoles were the Sega Pico and the Sega Game Gear, hmm. or my two, the two first consoles I've ever owned. I don't know how that happened, but New Jersey's a weird place, hey, what can you say? <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I, was, I was big into it, and like the next console I got was a Dreamcast after that, and for some reason, like I asked my parents later on, hey, why didn't you like get the Saturn or anything? It's like, I I didn't know it existed. I didn't see any ads anywhere. I didn't see anything about it. And yeah, I it basically went from that to the Dreamcast. And then I think 2005, I was in a game store and it was like, uh, it was like, hey, uh, hey, we have the Sega Saturn. It's like, wait, what's a Sega Saturn? And like, I saw these games for it. I'm like, wait, what the heck? And I did research. I'm like, this is interesting. I never even heard of this console. And then I think I got mine a, a couple couple year, few years later, probably or so but it just was really bizarre and i stumbled upon stumbled upon it because i i know it was big it was during the sort of renaissance of the gaming retro gaming stuff when pendragon was only 250 or so so uh i still got into it i you know played a lot i just really enjoyed it and I reached out to Dave and it's all Sagata Sanchiro history from there. <laughs> 
You know, I, I distinctly remember following it in the magazines and I had a Genesis and, you know, I got obsessed with video games. And in hindsight, I think it's like my parents got divorced and I was moving around and everywhere mm-hmm. I brought my video games with me felt like home. So like it was that too, but you know, I, I loved the games. I loved Genesis and Super Nintendo, I had them both. And there's a, there was a video game store in the town next to where my grandparents lived. So I used to ride my bike probably very dangerously up all these main roads to visit cousin Scott. And then we would ride our bikes. To it was the nineties, man. What do you oh expect? yeah, exactly. And, uh, I remember the talk at the game store and I think the guy who owned the game store is still around gorilla Jones. I think he goes by on YouTube. I got to talk to him at some point, but Oh, we, we know him. Oh yeah. yeah. We do. That's funny. So I was at his game store. And the talk was speculating on what the cartridge slot would be for, because clearly it had to be for 32X and Genesis games because of Sega's backward compatibility. And we were talking (laughs) about how the power base converter could have fit and if you could play Master System games. But how would you connect a Genesis controller? Because if you look at the pictures in the magazine, the controllers were Mm -hmm. different shapes and you just have to use it. And when, of course, it came out that that was for a RAM slot, I was just like... Oh man. And that was also right about the time in my life where like like guitar chicks and booze started to mean more than anything to me. So <laughs> I, yeah. I was kind of like I, I remember the exact should. same feeling. I remember the exact same thing. <laughs> like and I, I I still to this day believe that it started out as a a thought about backward compatibility. I mean there's the Motorola oh, yeah. in there. It, it makes no sense to use that huge chunky cartridge slot as a memory card. You know, I mean, Neo Geo already had the SNK memory cards that were like, you know, and you already had, and you know, Sony with their tiny little memory cards. So when that came out, I was just like, seriously, what a waste of space. <laughs> yeah, know? totally agree. They probably already had their molds yeah. made or something like that. So they had to, yeah. you know, they had to keep it. But I, right, once I yeah. found the price of the Saturn, I remember going into an FYE at the, you know, at the Trumbull Mall and, you know, in Bridgeport and, I know you're from Jersey, but that's a you know that's a Connecticut ghetto. <laughs> we and I remember seeing the price. We, we, and just we got those like, in Jersey. Oh. We, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I definitely remember that thinking like if it was actually backward compatible, so I could play 32x carts and 32x CD games as well as everything else. Like I, I totally would have found a way to buy it. But when I saw the price and I saw everything else, I just remember thinking I love Daytona so much. But I'll swing back around to this, and then you know. Life happens, and then you know. I, once I had extra time, once I basically right before I started retro RGB is when I was like, my friend Justin, aka the Goodwill Hunter, got one, and I was like, oh dude, we gotta spend some time at your house playing these games and seeing what this is like, and that kind of that kind of got me hooked seeing the differences. But I think like all of you, I was kind of fascinated by it both in the moment and in hindsight, and uh, you know there was certainly a lot of disappointments on it, like the Crow, <laughs> but. There's also certainly a bunch of really awesome games, and yeah, it's one of the. I think it's probably the best home port of Outrun, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah, I think so. But yeah, uh, in terms of the disappointing games, I think I'd have to say that Mr. Bones is more disappointing in my my eyes. But that's just my my opinion. That's an inside joke. If you, yeah, sorry, you know. I really hate Mr. Bones. I'm, I'm sorry. Pat has a bone to pick game. with that game. But... <laughs> oh, no. Make no bones about it. Not on, not on the podcast, oh, Steve. It feels on, like I'm watching a Pushing Up Roses video all of a sudden. You, if we you, keep... you, yeah, you... <laughs> We're going to keep but the dorky jokes say, going. Ronnie Montrose's soundtrack was amazing, so hmm. I cannot deny that. Montrose is the king of guitar. But honestly, like, you, you, you know... PlayStation was awesome. PlayStation was a great console. It was a, it was a home run. 
I'm I'm not we're not like super fans. We're not like we're very realistic about what's out there. You know, I mean, we we give N64 a bit of a hard time sometimes, you know, but I mean, we still like there there's a good handful of games I like on the N64, but I mean, PlayStation was an amazing console and Sony did such an amazing job changing the game industry and making it so easy for developers to develop games that whole, you know, dev teams grew from the size of like 20 people to a hundred people. And that's what really kicked off the, the triple a blockbuster game, you know, was, Mm. uh, you know, them making development tools so easy. Um, it kind of, it kind of, made it so like a lot of the older devs who were used to coding in assembly, it was just that was the old old way to do things and you could do them so much more efficiently moving forward with tools that were just built to make it easy, you know? So I, I feel like that's one of the things that Sony did best is just having that foresight to to say, we're going to make a console that's so easy to develop for that everybody's going to want to do it. And so they had a bunch of great games. So you didn't really miss out back then or you didn't think you were missing out, but the story I hear from everybody is, oh, I have, I had that one weird friend who had a Saturn, you know, and that was my exposure to Saturn was this one weird friend and I'd come over to his house and play, you know, this or that. And it was, it was strange. I think <laughs> what Dave was, was trying to say is that we are the weird friends. I mean, we are the weird friends. And actually that was what Shiro, so we spent so much time not really having a whole lot of folks to share it with because everybody went the PlayStation or N64 route. And so that was part of the part of the whole point of Shiro was to try to build a community around this console so that we have more folks to share it with. Love it. Absolutely love it. And you know, <clears throat> there's been, you know, I don't want to name names because I don't want to trigger communities, but there's certainly been a few consoles that if they never existed, nothing would change. You know, maybe one dev who worked on one game was inspired to do something, but the Saturn's obviously not that because if you think of what happened because of the Saturn. Sure, there's a bunch of excellent games on it, but if somehow the Saturn was deleted from history, the Dreamcast would not have been the same. And the you know the final evolution, a lot of those awesome Sega games that we've been playing on other consoles since wouldn't have happened in the same way. So, you know, for, for even though what it was might not have been what Sega had hoped, and it certainly led to things that that was made it very important as a part of history. And it looked cool as fuck. Let's just be honest. That thing looked awesome. Like it's, you know, I mean, seriously, the oval buttons, like it looks sleek. It looks like something out of like a, a high. Like it would go right in your hi-fi set. Like it looks. Mm, mm, it's the sexiest them. looking console that there is. Yeah. And I mean, I I I think the N sixty four arguably looked amazing when I saw it in Toys R Us for the first time. It also had like a very like sleek looking spaceship kind of design. But uh, but Saturn, I don't know if there was something about it. I thought it was the, the sexiest console I'd ever seen. With the exception of the Mushroom Turd, I think Sega always knew how to make a really cool looking console. The Master System looked so much cooler than the NES. And I love the NES, don't get me wrong. The original sure. Genesis, just that yeah. badass high definition graphics. Fuck you, ours is better than yours. Oh, like, yeah, you exactly. know, that whole thing, like it had a headphone jack so you could crank it up it's and not piss beast. your parents off. Like yeah. the Saturn, the Dreamcast was cool looking too. But like, you know, th- those yeah. those consoles from the 80s and 90s, Sega really nailed it. Even the Game Gear, even saying yeah. like, all right, Nintendo, you want the screen on top we're going to put it in the middle because other people are going to like that instead so you know and we'll put the worst color screen in the world on it but it's going to be color like they were Mm -hmm. they were great we have the god mcwill to bless us with the screens that are good yeah yeah 
I think it must be something about the, that Motorola chip because the SNK did the same. You know, I, I feel like the AES is just, I mean, it's huge. It takes up a room, but I mean, it's ama- it, it looks amazing. And it was kind of channeling that same thing. Maybe it's just because it was black or something. But even when you got to Dreamcast, that's such a sweet looking console compared to, you know. Not to mention all the custom Dreamcast. Holy crap. There's yeah, no so kidding. Many, like custom Dreamcast, it's insane. Like it's crazy how many variations of greencast that they made but honestly i think it's the motorola 68000 that's the the key to the success yeah like i mean like every good console has it sharp 68000 <laughs> there yeah. we go the the genesis neo geo like every single good console has the 68000 inside of it that that's that's objectively <laughs> the truth exactly you know what's funny though uh, i agree with how cool the neo geo looks but have you picked up and held an aes yeah it's it, it doesn't have the same like no. uh yeah it doesn't you, have you the pick same up a genesis feel. and you're like yeah it looks badass it feels like you know a piece of machinery the first yes. time i picked up an aes was only like i had already started retro rgb and I went to right. pick it up, and I almost like flung it across the room because I expected yeah. it to be this big, heavy thing, and it felt like it's this a lot lighter cheap than it looks. Toy yeah. I was just blown away. I'm like, so yeah. if I put pressure on the top to pull the cartridge out, am I going to snap the top in half or something? And it just exactly. isn't it true? Isn't it true that the 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 controllers are actually heavier than the console? Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So so it's just it's not what you expect. That's no. for sure. Still look dang, cool. Those games, though, those games and the controllers are beefy. I love those them so much. Those are just so chonky. It's like a VA, it's bigger like, like, than a VHS cassette, you know? It's crazy. Right there, baby. Yeah. We didn't come here to talk about Neo Geo, but we, we love Neo Geo. We love Dreamcast. We're huge into almost every console, but obviously uh, Saturn was the one that needed more love. <laughs> Everybody's yeah. doing... I mean, that's what I always appreciate about you guys. It's not like, obviously, your focus and your passion is the Saturn, but you're not saying, like, you're an asshole if you play anything other than the Saturn. You're just talking about that being your favorite. And, you know, jokes are welcome, but they're just jokes. You're not, like, shaming people for using a PlayStation. (laughs) Yeah, the jokes. Yeah, the jokes. Yeah, I I totally am joking when I say that. We do do tell a lot of jokes, but we are also very, like, anti-gatekeeping, Pat and I. We always try to, like, like... you do you do you you know you play how you want to play if you want to play through composite and a crappy like orion tv i don't care <laughs> like and if it's you want to like for 3d games it could be a very good experience <laughs> exactly yeah and i'm like if you want to spend you know upwards of three grand on a really nice bvm or whatever you go you go for it I think you know? six grand nowadays. Yeah, uh, six, that's true. DMs I'm just not with insanely. the times. <laughs> well, yeah, you, you could yeah. either you know take a spaceship ride or you could buy a BVM these days. But it's kind of stinks. But we'll see. Elon Musk sponsored BVMs. Make it happen, Elon. That Let's would get be them hilarious. Get them in the factories. Yeah, that would be hilarious. So how? what is your preferred way of playing the Saturn? Now, obviously, Pat, I see in the background, you have a beautiful 20M2U with a Extron Crosspoint 20M4U, switch. actually. M4U. Mm. Oh, fuck me. A 4U. Sorry. No. Sorry. Kidding, Sorry. kidding, kidding. I've got to flip these things. <laughs> I think it's a slightly different line count, right? Like, that's a, um, 800 it's, it's, lines. It is the same 600? line count as the 20L5, the 800. Yeah. But it doesn't have 480p. But that's why I have my CRT... My PC CRT right there, the Dell Trinitron to compensate Sweet. for that. Yep. So I guess you're going, I'm assuming you would go RGB through that, right? 
Uh, yeah, RGB. It's uh, RGB through the G Scart that you informed me of. Thank you very much, Sensei. Uh, <laughs> props yeah, to G, props nice. to Super G. Awesome guy too. Exactly, Super G. I uh, got my my Extron cross point there for all the components stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, in all honesty, though, I pl- I stream mostly on my PC with my Framemeister, which I'm trying to upgrade to the RetroTink 5X, which I'm hoping. I can get fairly soon and get that in the chain because I went over to a uh, phone dork's place and he showed me and I was like, Oh my God. Oh, so you're in Arizona now. Yeah. I moved to Arizona and that doesn't count as doxing, right? The entire state you live in doesn't count as doxing. I literally, right? I literally tell people okay, like no. we have, yeah. we have Genovia here too. So Pat. We have I've doxed party. Pat multiple times. On the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Like go, yeah. go for it. Like if you really want to hunt me down, it'd be weird, but I'm probably going to call the police if you show up my house. Like, send me <laughs> games. Send me games and we'll call yeah, it. Send either. me games, please. <laughs> right. So but if no, anybody I, wants I to hunt down Pat, go to Arizona and just walk around until you find him. Yeah. <laughs> we'll play some uh play some uh Saturn in my uh play some Saturn in the kiosk and the candy cabs. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm down. But but anyways, I guess back on topic, mm-hmm. yeah, I play it through there and I think Dave, he does the Dave, tell me about your setup because I well, like your setup as well. I have the jankiest setup, okay? I admit. And it actually uh, is pretty cute. There's no going back because I committed myself to it a long time ago. Okay, so back before Bob was doing his thing. Back before there was any of this information, the best thing there was going was a website called Hazard City, you know, by Fudo. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's how I got into it. And what got me into the way that I play games was really the Dreamcast. So I spent a good decade just in a love affair with the Dreamcast. That was kind of like, I just played the hell out of that console and collected for it and stuff. Um, but the Dreamcast VGA looks so amazing, as you as you may know. Like it just looks yes. absolutely stunning on a on a VGA monitor. And so I started by just ha- getting one of those really cheap Racket Boy VGA cables and a cheap Dell, I don't know, seventeen inch monitor that I bought off Craigslist, right? And then that led to a nineteen inch Sony uh, Trinitron monitor, and that led to a twenty two inch Mitsubishi or NEC, uh, an NEC multi scan, and then that led to the cream of the crop is a Mitsubishi twenty seventy SB, which I use. It's a twenty two inch nice. uh, Pro CRT monitor, and it's got like multiple VGA inputs, and it's got it's got all sorts of stuff. It's got like a super bright mode, and so I asked myself, you know, scratching my head, I'm like what if there's like a VGA box for every console that exists? You know, wouldn't that be amazing? Because the VGA box for Dreamcast looks so amazing. Why can't I do this? So um, that's the route that I went. I bought Fudo's uh, Waka his, uh, for, for my PlayStation. He has a Waka upscan converter. I like literally bought it from his sales bin. That thing looks amazing for PlayStation. Straight. It's just 480 line doubled straight to the 22-inch monitor. You get these thick scan lines it just looks absolutely it looks like a bvm basically mm. it's just a different way of doing it bvm killer if you may say, um i got you jokingly say yeah i got a uh, i got a dvdo uh i scan pro for the playstation 2 to do like 480p stuff and then i graduated to a dvdo edge like the the 101 you know mm-hmm. i don't use that for 240p anything i just use it for playstation 2 and it looks amazing um, yeah, no, I basically have a VGA box. Like I use an XRGB two actually, uh, oh, good old great. analog XRGB two for my Saturn going straight into the 22 inch. And it looks absolutely amazing, but it's so convoluted. My setup is just wires, cables, power supplies. Uh, and by the time 
it's like everybody else went the logical way of just SCART cable and BVM, you know? And by the time I was thinking, yeah, by the time I thought about, well, should I do that? It was already like way too expensive. And I was just like, okay, I'm all in. I've got two 22 inch uh, monitors, the NEC and the, and the Mitsubishi. And that's, they're both Dimantrons. So that's the way I go. I love those. I, you know, I've I've been circling monitors through my CRT wall. um, And my goal is to end up at, you know, when, when this journey might all be over with just a handful and that's the Dimantron is one of them. But yeah. I gotta say though, the so what you're doing is a perfectly good scenario, and on top of that, you have choices. So if you just wanted to line double 240p to 480p, it still looks mm-hmm. great. You can get plenty of zero lag solutions. But if you mm-hmm. also just added basic scan lines, the type of scan lines mm-hmm. I normally hate, it makes right, your yeah. monitor look identical to a BVM because you have the sharpness Basically. of the 480p with that. Yeah, and you know, there's some exceptions. There's always, there's always. I guarantee, if you look at these comments, there's going to be one actually who proves the one scenario that, that's that doesn't fine. work. But, it's not a B. Yeah, yeah, it's not a BVM. Uh, if you get the awesome. if you get the nicest BVM out there with low hours on it, I, I guarantee it's just you can't get any better than that. Everybody I show my screenshots to, they think it's a BVM, and I'm like, I'm happy with that. You know, I I know I know that it's not as good, but it's so fractional. I can't even you can't detect it with the and and in real and in just plain sight, it just looks absolutely amazing. And I yeah. can do all sorts of calibrations. The geometry is so perfect on this Mitsubishi. I can do so much calibrations with it uh, that I can I can literally change the convergence with a jeweler's lens and and just get it perfect. So I'm happy with it. You know. But um, I wouldn't recommend going this route to anybody else because, uh, again, I didn't know. This was before I had stuff like retro RGB. You know, this is before I had all these easy guides. So I just kind of like learned by going on forums and and buying things and then selling them because they didn't work, you know, until I got everything that I have now, you know. But it's nice to be able to have literally every single source go into one monitor and just be able to change it on the fly. And then I, I use an Extron to split it out to my capture card so that I have an Epifan like pro uh, capture card. Nice, nice. Which they're kind of like a, Epifan is kind of like an, a lesser known company, but they mostly make stuff for like um, trade shows and like um, big seminars mm-hmm. and stuff. So it's like, it works really well. Yeah, their internal cards, I think, can go uncompressed color up to 1080p. Their external, the DVI to USB 3.0, can go yeah. uh, up to... They could do uncompressed colors, but it starts dropping frames at 1080p, but it could go up to mm-hmm. 720p perfectly. But just to circle yeah. back for a minute, though, so th- the fact that you did that shows how long you've been in the scene, because that was... Oh, Fudo crazy. Was, there would be no retro RGB without Fudo period. Or if right. it would, it would yeah. be a shit version of it because he yeah. helped me get started. He was patient. I still talk to him on a regular basis. I still, he still yeah. helps me out with a lot of projects. He's a great guy. So, yeah, He's I definitely a great guy. like working with him. But I do kind of disagree um, in that if you <laughs> want to do that same setup now, yeah. if you grab an OSSC or yes. even like a RetroTank Mini, you could pull yes. off exactly what you're already doing and it's going to look mm-hmm. amazing. You know, the, the yes. only thing that, you know, um, PlayStation 2 with 480i games might not look as good. You might want to try to force GSM or something like that. But for anything that's not 480i, playing on a VGA monitor is freaking awesome. And you could yes. even do composite in S-Video too. You just, you know, I would get mm. the, the Tink Mini in a converter. But I think that's an absolutely awesome solution. You're right in that I wouldn't go out and, and hunt down an individual solution for each console just because of cost. But yeah, it, right. you've got a great well, setup. 
it's what it comes what it comes down to is the headache is in getting it all set up. Like I, I have to use a trip light. I, I use a, a power strip that's literally like five feet long and it's just littered with sockets and it's got like, and, I, and then I put that into a power conditioner that was meant for like a Canon copy machine to make sure that I'm getting like 120, you know, and that it's clean power. Cause I mean, I have a Neo Geo CD Z that I don't want to damage, you know, um, mm-hmm. it, it has tolerances, but not that much. So but I mean, so it's like for people to do what I do, I think it would be kind of a headache. Um, but absolutely, if, if you're looking to do a few consoles, it's a great way to go. I just sold a Sony. I just sold a Dell. It was a rebadged Dell, Sony 19-inch Trinitron for like 250 bucks uh, locally. I kind of gave the guy a deal because I think they go for a lot more depending on the market. But I'm in California. And, if the brightness um, can be cranked up, if you crank up the all the brightness, brightness and it's still just okay, then they're way cheaper. But if the brightness, the truth goes is, up, this monitor looked. I would, I would say that this 19 inch looked better than some than one, at least one of my 22 inches. But I, I like the 22 inch for the size, you know, and the scan lens yeah. that you get. But the 19 inch Trinitron looks amazing. That what a lot of folks don't know is the Trinitron actually uses three separate guns, mm-hmm. whereas a Diamondtron uses one. I believe it uses one gun and a crystal to like focus or split out the split out the colors. Mm. It's 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 weird. It's a different kind of patent than a, than a actual Trinitron, but uh, at least the way that the electronics work. But they're both they're both comparable. They both got the aperture grill lines and everything. But but yeah, essentially. Um, like you said, now that the Tink, the five, five X has come out, you get that and a VGA HDMI to VGA. I think that that's a great way to go for folks who can't, who want to get like BVM quality, but can't afford a BVM. Yeah. In all honesty though, it's kind of crazy how much the scene is evolving. Like I got into it like around 2016 and even then, like, it feels like I feel like I'm behind the curve because like nowadays there's so many component solutions there's so many other great upscaler solutions that it's like back mm-hmm. then it was like okay here's the frameister and here's the pvm uh pick it. your poison there you go that's but what it was it like yeah the frame this was, i got into it before the ossc and i remember like getting on the list for the ossc and then i was like um by the time it came out i canceled my pre-order because i was just like I've, i think i'm set but now that the five five x is out i just think that's probably like the best device going for folks yeah. Uh, in in terms of in terms of just it can do everything you know mm. and I think that's kind of what we've been waiting for. Yeah, absolutely, exactly. You know, uh, I do want. It's yeah, still a great solution to just have a console into a CRT. And I wanted to ask if either of you recently, after you're used to these awesome setups that you have, have you grabbed like a 13 inch consumer grade CRT and played Saturn with a composite yes. video on it? Because, you yes. know, if you're playing a, a game with 2D graphics like Daytona or like, you know, or obviously any of the arcade ports, it's going to look weird because it's composite. But like Nights mm. into Dreams, you get the transparency effects, um, you know, a lot of the 3D games like that. Like I actually have a far new appreciation for just a small TV with composite video on it. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Uh, honestly, yeah, honestly, I've been too spoiled with all these things. I really... Would like to go back to it. I think the only time I really have a chance is at conventions, mm. and that's been almost three years ago now since the last one in Arizona that I could, that I could go to with the CRTs. So it's mm. been really me stuck with the PVMs. And even though that's that seems like like a like a you know it was the the suffering from success sort of thing, it's like 
I don't know. It's kind of like I like having the ability to see these things in person versus going on the internet or something or, you know, seeing reviews and stuff. I kind of like getting my hands on them and like getting a better perspective because honestly, it's just really cool to play stuff on whatever you can because, I mean, games are games at the end of the day. Okay, I want to yeah. say so. I've got a little story. I'll try to be succinct here. Um, <laughs> a, a little old lady, I go on walks with my family and stuff. Little old lady down the street put on the curb, I think for pickup or whatever, a 1980s gold star CRT, wood grain, perfect condition. Literally looked like it just came out of the box. This lady just, there was no dust on it. I was just like in awe. And the sales sticker was still on it. Obviously, I yoinked that thing up. It only had RF. I plugged my Genesis into to that TV via RF. Futzed around with, you know, the color, the contrast and everything like that. And I got, you know, Sonic Spinball, Jurassic Park, what, what have you. Um, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog looking amazing on that thing. And of course, you had the phosphor glow. It was a little, it was a little like blurry, but to be expected. But it looked amazing. And I just had a blast. And my son was like, this is how you guys used to play games. And I was like, you better believe it. <laughs> Before there was, I remember when composite was high tech. I remember when my dad was like, composite, it's the best thing, you know, and you're going to, SNES is going to be hooked up via composite now. None of that crappy RF, you know, but I mean, we grew up gaming with RF. And so there's something to be said for that phosphor glow and the RF and everything. Um, at the same time, I have a tiny little nine inch Sony Trinitron that I use as like a desk or a bench monitor for testing and stuff. And as you said, it has composite, right? It's just composite and mono left audio thing looks absolutely insane with like Marvel V Capcom. Um, that thing looks amazing. 2d games, 3d games because of the line density, it doesn't have a lot of TV lines, but it's a Trinitron and it has very dense lines. Mm. It looks amazing and it's just composite. Yeah. Tweak it. You got to tweak the settings. You got to use the, the service remote and get in there and just tweak the settings and you can get those things to look really good. That's me. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've, I've said for the past couple of years, I mean, I've always thought this, I just did a bad job articulating it, but composite yeah. on a CRT is a perfectly good way to play any of these old consoles. Anything that didn't go to 480p, that is a perfectly yeah. good way to play it. Not so much on flat panels because you scale all the interference, but right. I need to slightly amend that. Steve from RetroTech hooked me up with an awesome 36-inch JVC TV. Mm-hmm. And I played Duck Hunt on it just because I thought, you know, let me grab an original unmodded NES and and just have some fun. And mm-hmm. when you get a huge CRT like that, you could start to really see the composite interference almost like you would on a flat yes. panel. So if you have yeah. a giant TV, try to go for S-Video. But anything like 20 inches and smaller, especially like a 13-inch, I just think it's such a good experience. And stuff like the 3D graphics from early consoles or early 3D graphics like, you know, Saturn, PlayStation, N64, the way all that stuff blends together for some reason, Mm -hmm. especially the N64. It's, you know, I think the developers really took advantage of everything they could about composite video because they knew that's how most people were going to play it. So it is definitely a good experience. I still would never check my BVMs. <laughs> the, the, interfer- the interference is so much more a problem nowadays than it ever used to be when we were kids because there's yeah. so much radio frequency interference going on. Yeah, so I remember like, the video. Yeah, I remember the video you were telling us. But the you said you were trying your your uh, your 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 coax, and it's like you're getting so much interference in the city mm-hmm. versus yeah. like when you like lived a little bit further away from that. Yeah, when that's I, not something we the in the middle of Manhattan versus in a storage area where I can't even get cell phone service in the storage mm-hmm. area. 
area, it was identical to composite video. And in the city, you, you couldn't even see the image. There was so much interference. So Absolutely. Yeah. You also said something recently that I never thought of it this way, but this is how I literally explain CRTs to people. You said that it was the it, you were talk you were doing an interview with the guy about uh, manufacturing tubes, mm. and you're saying that um, it's like when you're looking at a CRT, you, there's this depth that you don't get from LCD or flat panels because you're actually looking at the back of the screen. You're looking at the back side of the glass and the phosphors. So it's it's strange. It's weird. And you also get like the glow on the on the bezel. Mm-hmm. You get. You get a bunch of like aesthetic stuff, and 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 nowadays I think people really appreciate aesthetic, um, you know, especially if you grew up in that era. It's just something to it that is just like nothing else. It, it's hard to kind of explain, but that was a really good explanation that you're actually looking at the back of the glass. Thank you. And I remember when I thought of that because I was talking to Mike Chi right when we had first yeah. met about how he said it was impossible to create a CRT mask and he there's no way he'd ever be able to do it, which is awesome because he did it on the Retro Tech 5X. <laughs> yeah. But I was, I was magic, going man. deep in an analysis of this and I was trying on my OLED right when I got it and I was doing everything I could. And that's when I realized like why am I not getting anything close to it? And that's when, you know, I'm just, they're sitting next to each other. And I just realized I'm looking through this piece of glass into Mm -hmm. an empty space. And Mm -hmm. that's what those, you know, the quote unquote scan lines are actually the data, Mm -hmm. but the missing lines, you're just looking through into an empty void. And that's one of the main things. So it was, uh, yeah, Yeah. that was kind of, it's cool that you picked up on that because what I had that oh, you know that revelation. I, I messaged Mike and he was like, "Yeah, yeah, it makes sense." There's no way I could ever do that though, and I'm like, you know, here we are a couple of years later, and he's come really close on the tank with that stuff. Yeah, my yeah. wife doesn't get it. She calls them all TVs. She's just like, "You have a bunch of TVs." I'm like, "That's not even a TV. <laughs> like, it's a monitor for goodness sake." But I no, it's all TVs. To her. For that. And I mean, you know, it, it's the same with most of my friend, most of my. Uh, friends that yeah, they don't get it they're just like what what is it with the crts and i'm like it's just like anything great crts are just great i just can't describe it yeah, yeah i did want to shout know. out mike i did want to shout out mike chi real quick though because holy oh, yeah. hell that guy's the robert johnson of like upscaling and like yes. video signals oh my god like i don't know whose soul he had to sell to get that <laughs> ability but oh my god <laughs> Yeah, he's like, a really, really good dude, too. I love working with him. He's always fun. He like, he doesn't get... Like, uh, sometimes when I get these ideas, I don't spend the time to realize that I should probably be polite in my wording. So I'll wake up mm-hmm. at 3 o'clock in the morning and be like, yo, what's up, fucker? You think we could do this? You know, just like I'll send him a message <laughs> and I'll wake up in the morning. And, like, you know, he's always patient. He knows my intent, so he never yeah. gets mad. But he's a lot of fun to work with. And he's entertained some pretty crazy ideas. And, and some of them worked. <laughs> so... Hey, it's all about it's all about throwing it at that dartboard, see if it yes. sticks. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. And no, I'm gonna start talking to Dave that way. Like, hey, Dave, why don't you get like a, why don't you get this going, Dave? Like, why, why is our thing not like this? No, <laughs> but nah. uh, but no, it's just insane. All the options we have these days. It's all the like you don't have to like I don't know. Like, I'm actually timid of re- re- recommending stuff to people because it seems like every time I do something else better comes along or. It just goes away. Like I used to say, like uh, to people, hey, if you want to get into RGB ga- gaming, you don't have to buy a hundred dollar, three hundred dollar PVM. Get a CRT with a component in the back. And even then, now the price, the prices of those things are like the price yeah. of PVMs. Yeah. When I was recommending that to people, and it's like that's uh, the hard thing. Like, you can only throw win. your money at so many things. There are just there are countless things to buy. 
<laughs> you know, yeah. I want a mister. I want a mister, but I haven't jumped in yet. And Matt, Pat here, he is like the mister guy. Like he's been, I love he has mister. been prophetizing mister for like the last day three, one, four years. You know, day, day one, one yeah. baby. Well, I guess, so, I, I guess 2018, is that day one technically? Or is that before? It's been a long, it's been a minute. It's and been a while and almost, Pat's yeah. been behind to that, you know, pushing it. Try, and I, I, you know, I'm looking for kind of like a turnkey solution if I do it. Cause like, like you said, I don't have any time anymore. When you become a content creator or something like that, you just literally, and you got a family and everything. I mean, you just don't have time. So I used to spend hours just dinking around with, uh, you know, settings on things, you know, and I could never do, I could never do uh, the, the frame meister because of all of the settings that you have to futz around with. Like, that's why I love like uh, the XRGB two. It's so simple. You turn it on and it works, you know? Oh, I just grabbed grabbed the firebrands profiles and I was like, okay, there we go. That's it. Bye. Yeah. And, and, you know, importing profiles is definitely the way to go with that. But uh, yeah, early on, that's the thing that kind of made me shy away from it is before we had all the instant profiles that you could download, people were just like on the forum saying, oh, try tweaking this, try tweaking that. And I was like, I just don't have time for that anymore. Yeah, I totally hear you. I'm not in my 20s. Mister started yeah. out like that, but Mister is getting way easier. And it's so funny because yeah. my, my friend Risha, I met her before Mister came out. Or if it was out, mm-hmm. it was still kind of being ported from Mist to you know to, to that. So it, it it was kind of cool to see it's the evolution of it. So I think I got a D10 Nano. I think right away like there was only one person hand soldering the ram board this type of thing and i've been there since the beginning as well and i love seeing that project evolve and the only reason i don't cover it more on the channel is just because it's evolving so quick and like you just said i just i mean i'm out of hours right you know you can only do so many 13 14 hour days in a row before you drop so uh luckily though i've been trying to work with other people to get more mr coverage but that's such an awesome project and it is getting simpler and simpler slowly but as as time goes on it's getting easier to use it'll never be cartridge based so if you're the type of person that really does just want to take your original carts and plug it in analog's got you covered for a lot of them but uh, if you don't mind using roms and spending a little time in setup i I just the the mr team is doing some incredible stuff i will definitely have one i will definitely be getting one for sure i just don't know at what point probably i know what point you'll be getting one when the saturn well yeah when the saturn is (laughs) yeah and we and that's the thing all we've had time for are the saturn updates but anytime one comes down the pipe it's like we have to let people know okay it's getting better it's getting better you know, I'm literally just looking for an excuse to get rid of all my consoles at this point. And the mystery is that, like, I already don't play my Genesis. I'm looking at the consoles, my uh, Super Nintendo, my uh, pretty much everything, NES, Super Nintendo, nothing. I'm I'm playing all that on Mister, and literally, I'm literally looking for an excuse. But that PSX core, it's almost there. I'm looking for an excuse to get rid of all of it because, like, this once the Saturn one comes out, I'm streaming on that. That's that's the only thing I'm streaming on. That's that's it. Sorry. Sorry, our I'm not getting guys, rid of my Saturn. I'm not getting yeah. rid of my Saturn or my games. I'm not getting rid of it. I'm just like gonna be playing that only this way that I replace my yeah, yeah. Super like, Nintendo. Like you don't, you don't yeah. need to have own the games to play them. Obviously, uh, you know, because we got the open seas. But yeah, <laughs> or I don't it's know, just the video quality. You know, like, it, I yeah, don't but worry about getting upscales. It's like, all right, HDMI directly into the capture card. Yeah, good to go. Let's do this, boys. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm I with mean, you though that's... in that. I don't really play. Um, I, I use them for testing all the time, but unless it's something like a fun thing, like my friend brought her son over the other day, and you know, so I plugged the original NES in, and you know, turned on that TV, and the kid jumped back because he'd never heard the sound of a CRT before. Like, oh, I, yes. I appreciate <laughs> yeah. that experience, but if I want to sit down and play, and the Mister has a core that's available, I'll, I'll definitely do it. But I wouldn't sell my consoles for it unless it was something like I had some crazy convoluted setup in, in order to get something working and you know then that would be it but like a basic like i'm always going to have my 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 16 and 8-bit consoles and you know and a lot of the ones after that like i'll always want the saturn yeah. even if it's heck even if mine dies i'll probably just keep it because it looks so cool and then eventually mm-hmm. i'd bug my friend jose to fix it for me sorry dude <laughs> or, 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 just, huge... or just ship it off to voltaire and just be like hey fix this for me bye <laughs> there you go uh, no, if I sent it to Zach, it would nerd. never come back. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Ooh, my... Shots fired. Oh, that's that's, my, huge... that's my friend though. It's not. I'm not a customer, mm. so he'll put my shit aside, and then he still has my MK2000 from like 11 years ago. Like I'm never seeing that thing again. Uh, yeah, again, he's, probably, he's probably just gonna burn it as a joke on his Twitter. Be like, "Hey Bob, here's your console," and just sets it on fire. Yeah, I mean, Wait, I, seriously. At least I know yeah, he still no. had it. <laughs> But joking aside, <laughs> joking aside, I love Voltaire. He's a cool dude. Oh yeah. But uh, but yeah, but um, yeah, but like you're saying with the just playing the games, like now, like if Christmas, I always play Snatcher on Christmas because it's like it's a tradition. You mean, you, I mean, you watch Christmas Story, you watch uh, Always Saying Philadelphia's Christmas episode, you play Snatcher. It's what I do, and I have I have the Mega SD, everything hooked up RGB. I put it in my living room, put it on my OLED, and play it on on the Mister. It's like. It's just a better, fun experience. Like right there on my, that thing, like my flat fun. screen. Get that snow exactly. nine. I mean, I love the surface, <laughs> but like, man, I like it all. Whatever's whatever you're in the mood. I for. mean, I'm I'm a huge hardware exactly. nerd, and I absolutely love proprietary hardware. You know, so that's why I can't sell my consoles because they're just like this very specialized computer that can't really do anything else. Well, that's our that's debatable now because of homebrew. Yeah. But I mean, they they play a very specific library of software. You know, and so I absolutely love proprietary hardware. Um, but I totally understand where Pat's coming from. And the older we get and the older the hardware gets, it just makes more sense to uh, to have like a one one device to rule them all kind of thing. But And I might get rid of a lot of my game collection, you know, the physical games, but I won't get rid of my Saturn stuff just because of what it represents, you know? Hmm. It, it, yeah. it, it, you know, and that's just me. But it's like to people listening, you don't have to own all the games you don't have to own like every game in order to like enjoy the console and play it. But that's my choice, you know, to I wanted to go all in on one console and Saturn was that console for me. Same well, with owning the original me, man. games is a different experience than playing them. And I never mm-hmm. really understood that until until recently when I started this project. And this isn't a shameless plug because I don't make any money off it. So whatever. But uh, I'm helping a friend um, procure a whole bunch of stuff to, to help him with a project that I'll talk about when it's released next year or something. But as a result, I end up with a ton of sealed complete inbox games. Some aren't sealed that I get in front of me. So I've been snapping pictures of them and throw them on Instagram. And so many of the games like I played, I remember looking up the ROM and trying it out and it's like, ah, oh, it's, it's all right. But like some of the games I remember seeing in game stores or some of them I've never seen before, but I still just appreciated like, wow, like this looks amazing. Like if I was a kid and I saw this, I'd be blown away. And 
I still, you know, I, I have every ROM for everything ever, but if I decide that I love a game, and it's not like, you know, uh, Neo Turf Masters for the AES or something, I'm not spending 20 grand on a game, but like, if it's reasonably What's priced. Wrong, Bob, why don't you want to spend 20 grand on, <laughs> why are you not doing that? Are you not a true MVS or AES fan? No, apparently not. Uh-oh, but, uh, Uh-oh. alert. But yeah, I, I have my, my little cabinet of games there, and like, it's slowly growing, and I just, it's important to me, and I don't know why. It's just a different experience. I, I look at it like, um, I uh, do you collect vinyl records at all, Bob? I was gonna, just going to say that. Just get into it, but I, I, those are for a completely different reason. I'm starting to realize I, that whenever music was mixed, whatever music was released, it was mixed and mastered to be listened to on the medium of that time. So if something yeah. was meant to be listened to on a record, it's going to sound the way the artist intended, different than if on a CD or on iTunes. So I'm starting to really yeah, I, appreciate cassette and vinyl a lot more as a result. Yeah, I kind of look at it this way, like uh, re- like listening to needle drops that you download on the internet, like they're at through the highest fidelity possible, like through all headphone amps, and and like actually playing them on a turntable. It's it's pretty it's it's almost the same thing, but there's also that physicality missing from it. Where some people don't mind listening to needle drops, like I know, I, I don't know if you know the Ingroove at all, but they're a big record shop. They have a YouTube channel, but. They have people that, oh, yeah, this guy sold his collection because he just needle-dropped all of it and just wanted to listen to it, and he just sold them all. And that's sort of normal, I guess, in some way. And it, it, I kind of equate that to playing video games, collecting it, versus like listening to it, listening to the records that way, where it's like they're two different experiences almost. I mm-hmm. mean, they pretty much one-to-one if you want to enjoy it, but if you want that extra, you'd want to do the physicality of that. And that's why I'm not going to get rid of my Dreamcast stuff and I'm getting buried with it. That's... And my will, by the way. So <laughs> hopefully that'll be that'll be accomplished. But no, that's a it's it's good stuff. I do agree though with the 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 medium, like the the actual artist intention. But I do have to say, if you're hunting down uh, Megadeth stuff, uh, good luck with Rust in Peace. Anything before that, uh, that stuff is getting pricey. So. All right, so I wanted to ask you guys what recently have been the things that you've covered or talked about or, or been a part of that has been the most exciting thing for you. And obviously, it doesn't have to just be Saturn-related, but you know, basically whatever recently has been something that, that you've been fired up about. I think uh, we should talk about the 27th uh, Saturn co- Sega Extreme competition, right, Dave? Yeah, that is insane. That's going to be the most current. I mean, that's still going on right now. Hasn't been judged yet, but... Uh... We're Go ahead, Pat. Judging them. Uh, so basically, uh, I think you covered this on the l- last year, right? The competition from last year. But the, it basically is a group of people in the Sega Extreme forums that submit builds. Either home, there's three, there's three different uh, categories. There's the homebrew, there's fan translations and hacks, and then there's software. So stuff and utilities and tools that help to build stuff. So there's been a lot of really great entries. Off the top of my head, for the uh, the the homebrew, there's Cube Cat, which is a fun little. It's like a platform where you're a cat throwing a ball. There's Chris Mingle, which is a Santa Claus dating sim. No, that is not. I am not kidding. That is actually an entrance, and it's the best thing ever. That's There's funny. stuff like uh, Garfield, uh, Garfield Power Challenge, the Garfield Master, which is a Tetris clone that involves Garfield. And <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, you, you can't you can't deny the greatness. And of course, like uh, there's stuff like some Sansegolo doing these cool visual uh, visual novel games, uh, Blue Skies, of course, by Emerald Nova and Xenos Interactive, which is a Pilot Wings s game for the Saturn, and it's just insane these these entries, uh, and how much I mean, like and you got Raimi I mean, with the 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 endless shooter, 
Sky Blaster. Uh, you got? Uh, did you mention XL two with Hellslave? He's got, yeah, of course, he, Hellslave. He's got oh eight, my god, eight player deathmatch on. You know, yeah, no, it's crazy. Like what he's been able to accomplish uh, with no uh, d- developer deadline. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, we're yeah. The, the Saturn community is growing and strong, and the the homebrew community is just uh, really taking off, and and get really getting into a lot of like the three D games, which is exciting. You know, yeah, yeah, not. Not to mention all the cool fan translations as well, like yeah, uh, yeah. like, like uh, Lunar Two Eternal Blue in the works, uh, uh, Gun Griffin Two by the SSG, yeah, uh, Fire, the Fire Pro games by Malenko, um, and of course my my favorite one, uh, the Dragon Ball Z game, the that one for the Saturn is getting a Spanish localization, which I think is pretty cool and left field in all honesty, and Love I it. really like it because it's Vakken Rotor, yeah, Vakken Rotor, Rotor, Rotor by Night of Dragon, and of course Bulk Slash, yeah. Of course, last year Grandia, but um, subsequently to the competition, Trekkies released the update where he was able to subtitle the FMVs, which was incredibly for for people who don't know, it was no small thing. The <laughs> FMVs used a crazy like C, you know CRI soft deck. Mm-hmm. It, you would you would go on on Dreamcast to see that logo before almost every game. CRI soft deck or ADX, you know, for audio, and it was like a early version of that CRI soft deck, which was very proprietary and really hard for him to decode and like re-encode, you know? So uh, it took like, it took like over a year to, to jump that hurdle and get true subtitles into Grandia, you know, like English subtitles. So there's just a lot going on behind the scenes and a lot of work behind these translations. They're not just like, easy on the fly stuff you know so yeah i definitely gonna pause and give a shout out to everybody that works on translations in any way because it's such a daunting task because not only do you have to do just a tremendous amount of hours worth of work like that alone you Mm -hmm. should get props for but you know you're, you're trying to convey language and intent at the same time and it's so hard to figure that stuff out because like if i was like hey chill out dave and somebody tried to translate that you could say I was telling you to calm down or I was telling you to be cold. Like there's so many things that you could so easily get wrong. And then, you know, especially when you're talking about anything with any kind of like nostalgia or or anything that taps into people's childhoods. Like if you have somebody that's, you know, grew up in Japan and, you know, now they're, they're reading your translation and you got something wrong. That's like, that's like shocking and offensive. And it's just, you have, you have so much of an uphill battle to go up against. Mm-hmm. And I am just so appreciative of the people that do that. Even the silly ones. Like I saw I, uh, somebody translated afterburner and it's like, you don't need to translate that game at all. But like, you know, somebody took the time to do it and that was do cool as hell. Of it. Yeah. yeah. Why not? Well, why not? Well, night, uh, night of dragon, he's in our community. And I think that he said the best game to translate is the one you care about. Is, or is the one that you love, you know, because you're not going to have the same kind of passion about every game. Mm. Um, and you want to work on the game that you know you're going to have enough, uh, you know, drive to to finish, you mm. know. So if it's not a game, if it's just a game that means nothing to you, unless you got like a team of people and it's about the camaraderie of together you know if you're working on it by yourself it you need to have some kind of motivation to to continue because for a lot of these translations like princess crown you know cyber warrior x was working on it like a long time ago and then it went kind of went awol uh and it's just like you know life happens things get in the way 
and it's like um, it gets passed from one person to another. It's like some so some of these translations they just kind of get stuck, you know, in like a never ending limbo. And so I do believe that if if somebody's like hot hot on afterburner and that's their game, you know, why not? You know, pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I am also I'm also incredibly I I'm mostly excited about video game history preservation. Mm. That's something I'm a huge nerd about. <laughs> I grew up reading game magazines, uh, mostly like Next Generation. The original Sega Saturn magazines I would import, you know, uh, from Barnes & Noble because oh, the really? UK had them, but we didn't. Yeah, so that's how I got a lot of my Saturn uh, information back in the day. And it's just like, so I grew up reading guys like Richard Ledbetter, who does DF mm. Retro yeah, now, yeah. you know? And it's like, and I absolutely love Sam Hickman, you know, um, grew up reading those magazines and absolutely love, um, you know, the stories they would tell a lot of the interviews. So one thing that Shiro has kind of taken up over the past few years is like developer interviews, you know, hmm. I mean, we, we even interviewed Ken Lowe, who was the guy who created the Saturn logo and the, and, you know, the naked lady ad and the, the, you know, the girl with the rings around her head, you know, hmm, yeah. <laughs> and all that stuff. So it, uh, it's fun to interview them and talk about like, what was it like, you know, working, working on the Saturn or, you know, working with Sega. Um, that's really fun. So we, we recently interviewed uh, Christian Larson from Scavenger, uh, mm. and he was uh, the co-founder, co-CEO of Scavenger Games, and he kind of told us the story about, you know, the corporate betrayal with GT Interactive. Um, and it was it was a lot. It was an eye-opener. It was a lot of information and, and a, a lot of... Yeah, great story. Lots of uh, canceled, unreleased games that you 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 can find on like Unseen sixty four mm-hmm. uh, that he went into depth and detail on. I think really didn't he sent us like v- video too of stuff that hasn't been like yes thirty two X games mm-hmm. that didn't yeah like um, no, I can't remember the name he, of he sent the he sent video game. for like the Mar- the Marvel one right the was it the X Men one or something. Yes. Uh, well, no, that existed already. The the there was a there was an online thirty two X demo of the the X Men game uh, with Bishop. Yeah, there, there's still there's still a lot of like footage of stuff that hasn't but, been yeah. seen on that he video sent, too. So. He sent us some footage. Yeah. So I mean, it's yes. It, that that's that's my favorite thing lately. Is like and Nick Pandemonium. I don't know if you've heard of Pandemonium. Uh, yeah, of course. I've covered every a couple of them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I mean that that's that's kind of Nick's thing as well on his channel is just like getting these. Didn't you guys do voices for some of that at one point? Did one of you do a, like a guest voice on one of those, or am I I'm thinking of another uh, video? Then? Yeah, I, I was featured in his virtual virtual racing video as right. a interviewer, and uh, he we also he also does videos with us. That he he did the editing, and I collaborated with him on the bulk slash video mm-hmm. we recently mm-hmm. dropped as well. But he is an amazing person. I love Nick. Like yeah, if I could marry do. a person, it would be one Nick and two Knight of Dragon. If I could, you like, have to fight with his wife. <laughs> I mean, sorry, sorry, I'm gonna have to move aside. We'll sell it. We'll sell it in Smash. But but seriously though, Nick is an amazing human being, amazing person. I love his videos, like yes. incredibly so. And I always joke with him. So when are we getting the next Lord of the Rings cut of some of these videos, man? Yeah. When are we getting like a two hour extended edition where I got to make popcorn to watch some of your videos, dude? But yeah. but yeah, he. He that's his wheelhouse. He loves doing the the documentary style stuff, and I'd like to think he rubbed off, rubbed us, rubbed off. He rubbed, rubbed you off on us. Okay. In some way. <laughs> no, he didn't do that. No, that's that, cut that. Cut that from the hey, video. To each that's, their own. It's no. cool, man. Sometimes you sometimes you feel like a taco. Sometimes you feel like a burrito. It's all the drive-through menu. Oh my god. All... <laughs> well, 
<laughs> that just that happened. No. Yeah. <laughs> but no, uh, but, but get back on topic. I love his videos and yeah, I love his stuff. Don't know. <laughs> Sorry, Nick. I haven't hey, met you yet. In but, here. Uh, yeah. We'll, uh... yeah, no, uh, but yeah, no, Nick is uh, exceptionally talented. He's an actual, he works in broadcast journalism. Amazing guy. And uh, yeah, so we're, we, he is a Shiro as well. He's a member of Shiro. Con, uh, contributes a lot of content uh and you know you'll you'll hear him on our mainline podcast episodes as well uh giving his hot takes on games usually they're absolutely correct but he plays the hell out of games before he reviews them so mm. uh kudos to to the uh you know amount of amount of time and care that he puts into that stuff yeah we have a lot of great staff that work with us like peter doing all the articles and amazing write-ups on our yes. website and doing a lot of the those things and doing the Saturn, the weekly posts on the Saturn things that, that was the best of Saturn stuff. Mm, Always yeah. doing that. Mm-hmm. And of course, Ben, Ben doing all the technical breakdown and stuff and helping us understand some of the hardware a little bit better. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of great staff. I love them all. Yeah. But I, we'll only I love, marry Nick though. I love the, the diversity and the, the, like the different value that people in the retro gaming community bring. And it's just, mm-hmm. it, it's everything from people's backgrounds and perspectives to like, you know, like I love the Genovese Unreleased series video and I love, you know, Nick's yeah. documentaries and I love a good wrestling with gaming documentary. And, you know, oh, I don't think anybody guy. could do an analysis better than John Lineman. And like, we have all of these people. Oh, that, yeah. yeah, like stuff overlaps all the time, but like, mm-hmm. it's just the more the merrier, especially when people put so much passion into this stuff. I there's mean, like, a, there's a lot of mutual admiration. I will say that exactly, yeah. and a lot of inspiration as well. Because I don't think without you, without people like Sega Lord X, without Genovi, without of course John Lineman, the guys at Retronauts, uh, and big shout Dreamcast oh, yeah, Junkyard, Parrish. none of this would have happened. Like, yeah, my life in gaming. You guys to shout them out. Love those my guys. life in gaming. I think, oh, crap! I almost forgot about them. Them especially too. Absolutely. Oh my god, you got. You Game all, Sack. Phone Dork as well. Game Sack, Phone Joe Dork. Fire, yeah. Phone Dave, Dork's the OG, yeah. man. He's been in it forever. I hope phone to get out Dork, to Arizona yeah, at some guy. point that and hang amazing. out with him in person. Yeah, you know, hey, and as, hey, as a YouTube hey, channel. Oh, sorry. Okay. What I was, was going to say, hey, you know what? Go on. Uh, if you can get out to Game On Expo in 2022, I'll make that happen. We'll all grab a beer or something and we'll chill out. Or I, I, I know, I know we're going to do. Yeah. yeah, I'd be down. We'll, I don't well, know we'll anybody at Expo, so if you if you wouldn't mind making an introduction, I, I like going to Expos. It's a little challenging sometimes, though, to get all the logistics done, and uh, no some kidding. some Expos are much easier to work with than others. So I just mm-hmm. you know I just don't want to make sure everything falls into place. Yeah, I'll talk to I'll, I'll see if I can talk to John Lester about that and see where we get something going on. He's the guy that runs the the Expo. The what was his name? Uh, I can't remember what his name. His his uh, the game the Game Store eighty one. That's it. Game Store eighty one. Hmm. Cool. Dude. Yeah. It but is yeah. John, right? But yeah, John Lester. But uh, uh, but I guess getting back to like all you guys are big inspirations for what we do, and I hope that we also inspire a lot of people as well because that's yeah, the biggest thing is sort of carrying the torch and inspiring. A, I want to say uh, on on what Pat's saying, like as a YouTube channel, I will admit we don't really p- play the the YouTube game. Like I mean, sure. we kind of shot ourselves in the foot by streaming every Friday <laughs> on, on our main channel. But we don't care. Like we, we, Pat and I, we kind of resolved ourselves a long time ago that we weren't trying to build a YouTube channel as much as we were trying to build a community, and that's a Same. slow burn. You know that that takes time, mm. and uh, you know, and the people that do watch, they come every Friday. They're in this community. They're contributing. They're starting teams, and they're making games, and they're doing patches and stuff like that. So, so it's like 
it's going to take time and um, we're going to grow slowly, but it'll be sustainable. And we're not going to have like a thousand or two thousand. We're not going to have thousands of views, but that's not what we're looking for anyway. We're just looking to build the Saturn community and make sure that people have a place that they know they can go to get any kind of information they want, you know, through the website and, and that we can continue to shout projects, you know, and, and be a platform that we can kind of signal boost projects that need it. That's most awesome. importantly, have fun. Yeah, have I fun. Love fun doing <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah, that's the exact uh, description of retro RGB, right? Like, I don't play yes. the YouTube game because that's not what people yeah. come to me for. You know, they come yes. to us and the website to get information on stuff, not not because I'm you know I'm trying to be right. the most popular YouTuber. And it it sucks for the yeah. bottom line. I'll tell you, there's a lot of people it does, but holding up yeah. consoles, talking about them, getting five hundred thousand views, and have I no problem paying their bills. We well, have, like... <laughs> have to do the Wojak, and I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <They're> like, <laughs> you got to do that. You got to put a big stroke around your like, oh cable, cable. Uh, get HD video out of this. You got to do a lot of like pointing to objects. No, I'm just giving that. No, you know, no hate to like the game. You know, no shame. People do that, and that's that's great, and I'm happy for them. It's just not the road yeah. we chose to take. I just agree. Like, I don't have I guess, any beef. You know, I don't have any rivalries, and the only, the only people I actually <laughs> look down on are the people that that steal and lie. And you could yes. you could do this in your thumbnail, or you could do another one if you if you've stolen yeah. your content. Uh, I won't yeah. don't want anything to do with you ever. So yeah, you really need to you really need to do your own gameplay. Honestly, like if you're at that level, come on. I I realize you don't have a lot of time, but this is what you do for a living. You play games and you talk about them. The least and you can do is play your own games. You know. <laughs> yeah, and, and I look at it this way. I mean, the algorithm is going to be on for a short time. I mean, once that algorithm's changed, and it's like years down the road what do you have left a bunch of people doing the pointing and stuff and right no i'm yeah. not trying to talk bad about it. i mean like it's no, going to change like yeah yeah it's yeah. going to be completely different and it's going to be a different game it's like you have to look back and be like are these sustainable and a lot of the videos that do that are even though yeah. they are like i know a ton of creators that make a fantastic content but they have to do it for the algorithm which i think is mm-hmm. I, I i just think it's kind of sad in all honesty, they have to do that when they can't just put out great content and that's all you really yeah. need. But and you know, I mean, sometimes at the end of, yeah, you're, build, like that. you're building an audience of like contributing members too. It's like these, these, this audience isn't just a passive audience. They're, they're engaged and then they're, they like, you know, reach out to you in chat or in the discord and stuff. And they end up going on to make amazing things and you see it, you know, um, and, and you, you're able to be behind them 100%. That's, that's the rad thing about it, you know? So yeah. Numbers yeah, aren't as head. important. Most of the contributors head, to Retro course, RGB you know. are people that just interacted with me over the years Absolutely. through chats and different else and uh, at different mediums and just they're as passionate as I am. And when they have extra time, they you know they they're able to throw up a post or their own opinions or analysis on something. And it just you're right. And it's like it is an interactive community. You know, it's not mm-hmm. us barking at people. It's we're we're part of this. You know. Yeah. Exactly. We we're all contribute. Like I mean. Like I, I will write just as many messages as like like almost every comment I see everything I try to try to keep in the community and like you know if somebody wants to reach out to me it's like hey message on Discord or hey on on thing and I'm always online and maybe that's a detriment to my actual life but honestly with COVID I haven't had one for the last three years so I mean yeah way it is yeah but no yeah. it's it's great I love working with people I love talking with you everybody talking with you guys. Work with Dave. It's amazing. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's the next chapter. Like if you spent, I think a lot of us spent our twenties just accumulating games and playing them. <laughs> and now it's like in our thirties 
and I'm pushing on into my 40s soon. Uh, we're just like finding another way to to interact and reach out to people through this stuff. So it's like content creation and um, you know community building and stuff like that is like the next chapter basically. And uh, and so it's like we're still we're still kind of partaking in this passion of gaming, but just through different avenues. And of course, like geeking out on history and stuff like that because a lot of my idols, like Trip Hawkins. You know, they're older, but they're like totally willing. A lot of them are totally willing to like give as much information and, and you know, like share it so that we can pass it down. Because I always kind of think in the back of my mind that none of this really matters if nobody's around to care about it anymore. You know, I, I, I sometimes I watch like Pawn Stars or something and they'll be like, yeah, there's not a market for this anymore because the people who cared about it have all died. You know, <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah. So anytime we get somebody who's like 14 or 15 in our Discord, and yes, they do exist, you know, mm. I'm not only impressed, but I'm just like, ask me anything you want, you know, be as much a part of this community as you want. I think it's amazing that you you found the Saturn and that you're into it, considering that most kids your age only are interested in mobile gaming, you know, or, or you know, PUBG Mobile or whatever. But, yeah. you know, so I'm just super interested in, you know, passing this down and and letting there be a future of retro gaming, you know? Yeah, that's important because music and video games have one very important thing in common in that when a game was made and released and when a song was made and released does not mean shit. Now, when the first time you heard or played certainly might to you, but if you played a game and you loved it, it means nothing to you if it was a, an original Atari 2600 game ported to a modern platform or if it was made this morning. It doesn't matter. If it's a game that you mm. like, you like it, period. Mm -hmm. Just like if it's yeah. a song that you like, you like it. So it's not, you know, people don't necessarily have to be into retro stuff. Just like right. you could listen to the radio and you don't necessarily have to be into classic rock to like an ACDC song. You could just like the song. So I, I think Absolutely. because of that, unlike some of the things that you might have stumbled across on, you know, Pawn Stars and things like that, like, right. you know, like I think Pat Contry said it in one of the, in, uh, one documentary I saw, but like he was talking about how there was like an Elvis jacket that used to be worth like like a hundred grand and it's yes. sold for or something like that. I know I'm getting that wrong. I'm sorry, but you no, know, I know what you're talking about. The though. Elvis yeah, jacket no. might not hold its value forever, but that Elvis song is still going to be listened to for as long as there are songs. And it's the same exactly. thing with, with video games, you know? So it's, uh, I'm glad to see people keeping the love going. Cause there's always going to be people who want to hear more of this stuff. And there's always yeah. going to be people that stumble across these and go like, wow, this is so cool. I can't believe I didn't, you know, I, I'm so glad I stumbled across this. Exactly. And I love it because he always makes that analogy in like the videos like like visual gaming can always like one day, you know, everyone can love it and then it could be like Elvis and it's just gone. <laughs> so the thing like it just it just like disappears like everyone dies out, gets old. But I think that's why it's important to sort of introduce people to these things and sort of like make a reason to be to like retro gaming or just gaming in general. It's just like to push push this to make sure people love it you know and just want to keep playing and listening to it i mean yeah. it is for selfish reasons because it's like i want like i always say it's like i want to keep pushing it because i want to be able to buy th things like upscalers and stuff and these like 500 dollar things or like these th these devices and like these odes because it's like if people are inter inter interested in them more will come out and they'll become cheaper so it's almost a selfish reason almost mm. it's like yeah. i want to keep doing it so let's keep pushing it to get this going <laughs> Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's, it was amazing to grow up in a, in a time, uh, I think we all can remember where the, 
video game industry was changing, like having a seismic shift over like the 3D graphics. Mm. I mean, how ugly they were at first, but how amazing that, that, and I mean, there was just this, we were constantly aware of graphics becoming better, right? And now it's like, I think kids growing up nowadays can be a little bit more agnostic to graphics because it's like they've seen games in all shapes and forms. They've seen pixel art. They've seen, you know, the best looking 3D RTX exactly. graphics. And it's like my my son likes to play Pokemon Red on the Game Boy just as much as he does, you know, uh, Let's Go Pikachu or whatever, you know. He, he just, it doesn't matter. It's just if it's a good game, then it's timeless, you know. And I, I really do hold to that. There's quite a few timeless games on the Saturn, I would argue, that are just like, it's just good no matter what. Like Sega Rally, you so pop which that do you, you think play. then? How about each of you pick like not necessarily your top five favorite, but just your top five right. like that that you think are, are worth talking about and mentioning? Okay, Pat, you go first. You just put me on the spot as always. Uh, Radiant Silver Ladies Gun, first. amazing. <laughs> Shut up. Radiant Silver, Radiant Gun. Silver Gun is awesome. I love that game. Amazing, amazing, yes. great game. Uh, Mashing Night Ray Earth, right there. Best one of the best RP, RPGs, uh, link style games of all time. Legends of Zelda games of all time. Um, let's see up top. I had another one. Please is that not. more RPG or more of like an adventure Zelda style game? It's it's kind of like it's more like it's more like a, a link to the past. Wow. So really? like Link okay. Lore story. It's really good. I like it. It's it is as anime. I love anime. I'm an I'm a weeaboo diehard. I got all the figs back there. All the figurines. I'm a nerd. I will die. Anime. But uh, Soccer Wars, amazing, amazing dating sim slash RTS slash visual novel I've ever played. Great game. Love the characters. Ama- Gameplay is a little bit on the easy side, but it's a lot of fun. And then, of course, the number one that got me into it, Virtual On. Holy crap. Virtual On is the greatest arcade game I ever played. <laughs> it is I awesome. remember going into into like these the, the bars and playing kids for hours on virtual on oh my god that game is amazing yeah and honors up bulk slash amazing game play that too uh what about you dave um so like you said i'm i'm tempted i think pat's choices are all excellent um but i'm gonna tell you some better you can't go wrong with any of that uh and as i'm also pretty huge weeb i love the japanese games i love the just how extended the library is once you start importing games um, but I think that for somebody who's never experienced the Saturn, for them to to experience w- how different the Saturn is, what it really is, I would say Nights into Dreams, love it or hate it, you got to play it. And it's like a fever dream. Uh, it's crazy, but it's definitely Saturn. Like, it's just mm-hmm. so quirky. The Saturn console is quirky, and so is Nights into Dreams. And that's probably Yuji Naka's best game, arguably. Um, I think that you got to play Panzer Dragoon's Vi. I'm not going to say Saga. Uh, Saga's great, but I think you got to play Panzer Dragoon's Vi. That's kind of like the epitome of the on-rails shooter genre. It's an experience it, almost. It was just amazing. Branching paths, amazing graphics. Uh, it's just a beautiful, and it's got the 16 by 9 anamorphic widescreen. Um, I would recommend that. I would recommend Sega Rally Championship just because of how uh, the graphics don't necessarily hold up. But, I mean, the gameplay is just so rock solid. Mm. There is, there, it, it's, it's sublime to, like, drift in, in the, in the uh, Celica or the, the Delta, you know, on, on a lot of the dirt roads and stuff and going over jumps and stuff like that. It's just, it is a, you know, I, I don't know that many racing games that are near as good. Uh, let's see, that's three. What else should I pick? Uh, Saturn Bomberman. 
I mm. think Saturn Bomberman, for you to go and experience that at like a convention with 10 people, you realize just like how freaking amazing the Saturn is and how, and it's online as well. And it still works over and wipe, you know? So it's like, like, it's just Saturn was just so ahead of its time. You had the, 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 the multi taps and everything in the widescreen. Yeah. So absolutely amazing. And then for number five, I'll pick dragon force. There's a great, um, there's a great 2d game that just pushes like 200 sprites on screen at the same time uh, with Little to no slowdown, and it's just absolutely amazing gameplay and graphics. So I would go probably Dragon Force, yeah. And it's working design, so you can't go wrong. Yeah. You know? Also, I must say, wrote up Symphony of the Night for me because I'm having the shirt on and I can't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I still haven't really sat and played the Saturn version of that. I, I'm just kind of waiting one day. And uh, you uh, are in luck because there are a couple versions you could play. Yeah. There, are, uh, there's Paul Metz version, which has like a bunch of performance boosts and and quality of life stuff, and then there's also Knight of Dragon, who did like a full English translation, mm-hmm. in addition to a few quality of life improvements as well, uh, regarding like um, it it the menus are in 240p, so that you don't get that switch for for right. upscalers and stuff like that. Yeah, and uh, in, so it it, with the wasn't it products. also hacked to work on the four meg RAM cart so that it slows down? Or that was another one. <laughs> that was even one. another one. Yeah, yeah, there's there's a there's yet another one. I always forget this guy's name, and everybody. There's a Chinese like, Chinese a developer. Chinese developer, right. forget his name. It's like sorry, three letters man. or something like that. I'm so sorry, <laughs> somebody's gonna say in the comments you know i know exactly what we're talking about because we covered this one too i remember talking about it on the podcast i I hope that someday like everybody could get together and just make friends and make one (laughs) make the one to Uh, rule them all yeah yeah, paul met and knight of dragon were talking about that i don't know what's going on with the talks but there's i think either knight of dragon or paul met reached out to one or the other about that so yeah. I would love to see that because well, because apparently they he did it now so like yeah it doesn't really touch what I did so I can slide in and it works. Yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. I figured maybe yeah, I'll this... just wait because I have I have so much other stuff. Ever since I moved, like I have three full boxes of stuff that are projects mm-hmm. that people are waiting on me for. <laughs> so I gotta just like buckle down and keep trying to do all the behind the scenes testing and crap that I always drone on yeah. about. So I gotta get through all that and then I could start playing games again. So. You have like a backlog of shit that's not even games. <laughs> oh my god! I, I like you know when we're over, I'll turn when this is over. I'll turn the camera and show you what's sitting next to me because there's some pretty goddamn amazing prototypes here, and uh, some of which are stalled wow. completely because of the part shortage. So uh, you yeah. know, it's actually it's probably good I didn't spend my time doing it because it wouldn't have gone anywhere. But there's um yeah, there's some really cool projects out there, and I, I work with all people that are smarter than me, but because I'm in the middle. I, I can add stuff because it's like I've worked with all of these other people where I could just pull everything together. So that's why I end up right. with a lot of prototype hardware. Not that I could ever do anything that these awesome people could. It's just that I could I've, I see a lot more of, of what goes into it so I can help put things together and, and get things out the door. But yeah, some cool some cool stuff always coming. Nice. nice. I'm excited to see what you got down the yep. pipeline. I always see. Oh, I'm always notified for your stuff. So when it comes up, it's like, oh yeah, let's see what Bob's <laughs> got in the bag Same. today. Yeah, that's cool. Funny, it's it's the same thing. I, I, so many translations I found out because of you guys. So I love that we're all working together on this stuff. It's very cool. Absolutely. We'll Absolutely. have to get some collabs going on that. Yeah. Hell yeah. What about modern games, though? You know, you're uh, obviously Saturn focused, but has there been anything that's come out recently that's really caught your eye? Or, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to do with the Saturn, but just anything modern, really. 
if you want to, if you ask any of our Discord members, it's going to be Halo Infinite and Age of Empires 3. <laughs> Literally, everyone's like, well, yeah, why don't you stop playing Halo Infinite and like get on and do some podcast stuff? It's like, uh, uh, okay. <laughs> but no, but no, I, I love Halo Infinite. The multiplayer is a ton of fun. Age of Empires 3, be- sorry, Age of Empires 4, sorry. Age of Empires 4, better than 2. Controversial opinion, I know, but it's the fact of life. But love Age of Empires 4, uh, love Halo Infinite. Uh, Bloodstained played that amazing and trying to think is there anything else I played uh, oh and the new Resident Evil 8 Village was pretty awesome too hmm. what about you Dave I live quite vicariously through Pat when it comes to like the newest stuff I think the last new game that I played was like Mass Effect 3 or something you know hmm. like uh, and Sonic Mania you know um, hmm. I, I don't have enough time to even play Saturn games much less and and I have to do that for content you know so yeah these uh, you know I, I just moved I have a you know two kids and it's just and then yeah I just don't get a really enough time to play new games so I I do love hearing about them though I, I love watching channels like DF Retro or even D- Digital Foundry and and have the and you know watch the benchmark videos and stuff like that but I honestly don't get time to touch those games so yeah I'm kind of stuck. Yeah, right now I have to play a bunch of uh, contest entries in order to be able to judge them for the 27th anniversary. So that's kind of what I'm Does focused that count as on. New games. <laughs> yeah, good point. Uh, yeah, they're. <laughs> I guess they are. Some of them are actually new games, but but yeah. In full disclosure, I I haven't really played a, a whole lot of modern games recently. But you know, Pat usually talks about them. You know, Cyberpunk, uh, twenty what was twenty seventy seven? I got the <laughs> I, I I was so angry at that game. I somehow got the wrong ending to that game. Like you're yeah. supposed to get a specific ending, like that, like that you run off to the sunset, but they act like you go to space. It's like, man, I'm gonna miss you, dude. Cheers, <laughs> poor run. It's like I I didn't go anywhere. I I drove and I was confused. So yeah, I hate that. I really didn't like that game that they did that, and that was the glitchiest game. I thought Bloodstain was bad when it came out. Oh my god! Yeah, I played so many oh glitchy games on the Switch. So Owlboy was the yeah. worst. I, I couldn't get five minutes Ooh. into it without it crashing. It drove me nuts. Ooh. All right, so like I got a, a cheesy ass game, question right? for you. A very cheesy <laughs> yeah. question, but um, okay, go for it. What what game? And I, when I say modern, like you know, twenty ten on, what modern okay. game do you think a Saturn fan would enjoy? Hmm. I gotta think about hmm. that. It's kind of a that's dumb a and cheesy question, but I feel like that's one of those weird ones that you know, either you know, it'll either drop like a wet towel, or you guys might have a very interesting answer to it. Soccer Wars, uh, the, the the recent Soccer Wars. I think it playing through the first one, it really captured what the the new one, ha- the the old one had to offer. Mm. It is a different style. It's like a Dynasty Warriors style uh, 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 attack thing, which is ironic because Yakuza used to be that way, and then it went to a turn based game. So it's like a switcheroo almost with that. So that game was a lot of fun. I would highly recommend that for people that loved Soccer Wars. Um, in terms of regular Saturn games, there's that racing game. The was it that th- that 3D inspired one? I can't remember off the top of my head, but I played a demo of that. That was a lot of fun. Like, like hot a, something, hot race. Uh, no, yeah, a hot something, hot racing something. <laughs> exactly, it's whatever that is. It's, it's a it's a 3D bit game. I'll while Dave says his answer, I'll go look it up. Uh, well, okay, so video. I'm gonna just say Sonic Mania because that's the Sonic game that we would have been perfectly happy to get on Saturn. I don't. I think if people, first of all, Saturn can do that. Maybe not like verbatim, like, but 
like Saturn's really powerful when it comes to pushing sprites and even throwing in some 3D in there and stuff like that. I definitely think we could have had a, a Sonic Mania-like game back then and that it would have been well-received um, as long as it like moved at 60 frames per second and it just you know was like blasting you with audio, which Saturn also has an amazing audio chip. Um, but we didn't, you know, and, and so, you know, that's kind of sad. I, I, that's the, the answer that I would, I would say it's a, it's a great game and I think people should definitely play Sonic Mania. There are several platforms you can play it on if you've, if you've hmm. been living on a rock. Literally <laughs> and, every platform that there is, you could play it on. Yeah. Even, I think it's on the Wii U too. But anyway, that's kind of the yeah. story, right? I mean, we all, like people were so mad back then that we didn't get a quote unquote real Sonic game. So I definitely think that would have been nice. Yeah, the name yeah. of the game, by the way, was Hot Shots Racing. Also, Hot Shots Racing. Also, Bomb Rush Cyberpunk. I'm super excited for that game. Oh yeah, it's more Dreamcast, but okay. I'll count it. Yeah. So this was a blast. I appreciate you guys taking the time to do it. Is there anything that I didn't touch upon that you would want people to know, other than obviously where to find you, which of course we'll put in the description and all that stuff. But anything specifically you want to shout out? Your, your podcast, your YouTube channel, your website. Uh, any other topics that I missed? Anything that we should get out here for this one? I want to shout out uh, specifically Derek A Team. I mm-hmm. want to shout out uh, Danthrax. I want to shout out um, Lackaware. Who? Emerald. Emerald Nova, Night of Dragon. All those guys developing games that are like not only like not only like beginnings, but like in, that's been developed for been in the scene for years. Mm-hmm. Like without them, Sheer would be nothing. Like I know that's that's yes. kind of melodramatic to say, but it would it's the honest to god truth. Like these guys. Like I'm a programmer myself. I got computer computer science degree. These guys run circles around me, and more so. Like I am, yeah. like garbage programming compared to what they can pull off in an instant. And that's the truth, the yeah. honest to god truth. And they're amazing people. Uh, please back them. They're all over on Twitter. They're on our Discord. If you want to talk with them, please do. Get inspired for doing these games. If you want to do one, they will help you out. Like literally, Sam the SSG. He doesn't know any program whatsoever. Talk to Night of Dragon. He already has a fan patch out, and it's been less than two weeks. Like yeah. I mean, and really, we we have to. We can't. Science. We can't. Uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention his patcher. Night of Dragon has um, taken a lot of time to create like the definitive Sega Saturn patcher. Okay, and it's just it's so easy to use. Um, that folks really don't have any excuse to patch their own games anymore. And and so I do want to shout the guys on Sega Extreme. Hmm. Sega Extreme, they're amazing guys. It's very helpful. Their forums, they've got tons of information there and people who are not too cool to help, you know, if you have questions, please give their site some traffic and please download their uh, the games from their site so, you know, you're not taking away traffic from their site. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and using Knight's patcher, I mean, you can literally grab a patch, grab a game image and you're up and running, you know? So, uh, no offense to, to the sites that, you know, package it all up for you and everything like that, but we really want to support the guys who create this stuff. So that's what we're all about this community and, and helping to give them the credit where credit is due. So. Yeah, the days of, of ripping out assets from a folder and from a game file and yeah. using Delta Patcher over. You just want to literally, you can put it, your CD in the drive. You can rip it and patch it at the same time using this program. Yep. And oh, that's so cool. Any format. It is. Any yeah, format and there's you want. so much you can do. Yeah, there, it, it has it has everything built in. Region, uh, region changing. It's got uh, uh, it's got just all sorts of features built into it. Basically, anything you could possibly want, and you can get that uh, hosted on Sega Extreme. 
Sweet. So, we'll, yeah, we'll have links to everything in, in all of the descriptions for all of that. And uh, yeah. if, and if, if there's too many links to fit in the podcast thing, then <laughs> I'll put it in the, the post. On be, we have a yeah, reputation be of being very technical. I've, other podcasts who have talked about us, they're like, yeah, those guys are a bunch of nerds and they're very technical. <laughs> but if you like that kind of thing, you know, we're there for you. That's a compliment exactly. to me. Yeah. Exactly. I love it. And like like I said, it's just amazing. Like all the work people are doing, it's just like, it's it's just flabbergasting. Like even three years ago, I would have laughed at you if you told me like we'd be having all the stuff released. It, it was a joke. Yeah. It would be a joke. We yeah. literally sat like, on our podcast saying, I wish one day there would be an English grandia, you know, and there's and an there English grandia. You know? <laughs> exactly. Awesome. So it was crazy, you know. All right. Well, Thank you again for your time. Uh, this was a whole lot of fun. We're definitely going to do something like this again. Uh, you Absolutely. all stay on because I have a couple questions for you, and I got to get all those links correct. Uh, but thank you very much, and uh, you know we'll definitely do this again. See you later, guys. Thank you. You for must play Sega watching. Saturn. You must play Sega Saturn. Du musst Sega Saturn spielen. Spielen. Sorry, my German's not the best. <laughs> <laughs>